This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Ephesians chapter 1, and um, I'm going to give you some context into what we're about to read. Now, uh, the book of Ephesians is written by a man... Let me put down my very holy iPad for a moment. Um, The book of Ephesians is written by a man named Paul. Now, the Bible is a collection of 66 books by 44 different authors. One of the primary uh, authors in the Bible is a man named Paul. Paul had a radical conversion into Christianity. He was one time in his life against Christians. In fact, he killed Christians, has this amazing salvation experience, and becomes a leader in the church. Now, Paul would go out and lead a lot of different communities, start a lot of different churches in different places. We find in this section, Paul is writing from Rome, and he's in prison. And he's writing a letter to this church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is in, um, well, let me just show you where it is geographically. It's, it's on the western side of really Turkey. It doesn't have the same name anymore. It's near Greece. There's Istanbul over there, Bulgaria, and, you know, what have you, all the places I want to go. And, um, and so he's writing to this, the, the western side of Asia Minor, and he's writing this letter to a community he loves. Now, Acts 18 teaches us that Paul spent two years of his life with this community in Ephesus. Now, isn't it amazing? I pray Zoe would be this kind of place. Isn't it amazing that just after two years, you can have deep, meaningful relationships? Just two years later, Paul is fond for these people. He's in love with these people. I'm believing that as you join Zoe Church, you're going to find those kind of friends. Can I get a witness in the church? So Paul loves this church. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, Paul writes this farewell address to the church in Ephesus, and it's some of the most moving parts of scripture. He, he's in love with these people. He's writing from his jail cell, orange, it's the new black, he's writing, and he's, he's saying to these guys such powerful, profound revelations on who Jesus is. Now, Paul will go on to write many awesome letters to the church in Rome, Colossus, Philippi, Thessalonica, but Ephesus From his jail cell, he is writing what really the revelation of what the church should look like. He's writing this, in fact, in chapters 1 through 3, he's going to emphasize the position of a believer. The position that we have now in Christ. And then we'll get there, chapters 4 through 6, really is the activity or the practice of a believer. How many of you today, you don't want to just receive who you are in Jesus, but anybody willing to step out and do something for Jesus? So Paul is writing from Rome saying, guys, this is who we are, and this is what we're called to do. I want to read together. This is the first chapter. Now, this might be moving fast, and it might be a lot of stuff coming at you at once. And um, that's why we've provided on the app a little bit of a study, a follow-through. So this week you can memorize, reread, and let's just, as a community, let's land in the book of Ephesians for the next six weeks. Does that sound good? Are you down? And in the end, we'll celebrate with Shake Shack. Sound good? Okay. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read. I'm going to start in verse 7 because that's where it gets good, okay? Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. We are abundantly free. Anybody thankful today that you're not just barely free, but anybody thankful that you're abundantly free? Come on, free to dance, free to laugh. 
Okay. Um, he thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ. A long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in the deepest heaven, everything on planet earth. Let's transition now. Watch what he says. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ. That you, once you heard the truth and believed it, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Ghost. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Let me just pause there real fast. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. Anybody, by show of hands, you've ever put down a payment on a, a house or an apartment? You've ever put down an a, 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 a installment? Is that how we say it? Deposit. I knew I was missing the word. I was like, let's go with installment. Kind of bailed. <laughs> I can't find it. Okay. okay. Uh, deposit. You ever play it a deposit? The Holy Spirit, Paul's teaching us, the Holy Spirit is a deposit for the greater life we were just singing about. It's, it's, it's a promise that we're going to get eventually in heaven everything that Christ died for. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus, your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than just thank God for you. Watch this. I ask. I ask the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the, King, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. We're going to go back to those words in just a minute later on in the service. Endless energy, boundless strength. Remember that part. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. What is he, Beyonce? Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and he acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. I want to preach the first installment of this series called Ephesians. I want to preach a message. You can write down the title. It's called Standing Power. Standing Power. And I want to pray, and I'm going to believe that God will come and speak to us just as God spoke through Paul when he wrote this letter years ago to this church in Ephesus. I'm believing that God will speak to, to Zoe. God will speak to us today about his goodness and his grace and his mercy. Come on, anybody excited to receive what God has to say for you today? Amen. Oh, people started clapping. I love Zoe Church. Get excited about the Word. By the way, our church, if you're new to our church, we get more excited about the Bible than we do the singing. 
Because the Bible actually leads to greater singing. Somebody say amen. So come on, let's get excited about what God has to say. Father, thank you for your word. We believe that it is alive and it's active. Thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the bone and the marrow, separates the soul and the spirit, and it exposes us for who we really are. We thank you, God, that you're alive, you are well, you are seated on the throne, and we say yes to your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. We acknowledge your love today. And God, we are praying as a community that this week by Wednesday, the 80-degree weather will return to L.A. We are sick of the suffering, Lord, so bring back your glory in Jesus' name. And we all said together, come on, sun lovers, put your hands together and say amen if you're excited that this week has 80s in the forecast. Somebody say amen. Amen. I, I, I want to talk about standing for a moment, p- positioning. And, and, and when I think about standing, the, the, the first word, uh, connotation that comes to mind is my children. My, my one-year-old, his name is Maverick, but we call him Mavi. If you've ever had a small child, you get excited when they transfer from crawling to be able to sit up on their own. And then all of a sudden, they... They begin to stand. Now, when they first start standing, they're a little wobbly. So you kind of have to, like, you know, hold their elbows and, and help them out because they could just, they just fall real easily. But, but he, he's, he's very, my one-year-old's very different than my three-year-old. My three-year-old, Winston, I took to the Laker game on Friday night. Friday night, I got in the car with them. We went to the Laker game, and we were there having a great time and, and you know, took them early and everything. And we had a wonderful time at the Laker game. And then yesterday, I was in the car with my son, and on Bluetooth, I called my father and wanted to tell my father, you know, I took my son to the Laker game. So we're on the Bluetooth speaker. My son's in the back. I said, hey, son, tell your grandpa what we did yesterday. Did we, did we go to the game? He's like, yeah, we went to a basketball game. And, and I was like, that's right. We went to the basketball game. Did you have fun? Yeah, fun. And I was like, tell your grandpa what you saw. What did you see at the, at the Laker game? And I was thinking he was excited because I let him go to the candy bar and pick out one of everything from the, he, he had a cup full of every candy created. And so I thought he did, the highlight of his night was going to be the candy. So I said, tell, you, tell your grandpa what you saw last night at the Laker game, you know, what you experienced, what you had. And he told his grandpa, he said, I watched the girls dance. I was like, Dad, hold up. Let me call you back. Like, we're about to have that talk at three. He's not just standing. He's running. <laughs> Jesus, help me. <laughs> I was like, you was do- what you were doing? What? <laughs> but 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 my one year old, uh, um, Mav, he's um, he's not just standing now. He's he's moving and, and he's positioning himself. Like he'll position himself to to get a seat at the table. He'll position himself for his mother's attention. He'll position himself. They're fighting over position. Paul is teaching us out the gate, right into Ephesus. This is your position in Jesus. In Christ, in Jesus, this is, this is where you stand. Now, eventually, we'll get there as we study along. In chapter 6, we'll get to the war at the end. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but you and I, we are in a war. We are fighting for our future. We are fighting for our families. We are fighting for our sanity. We are fighting for our purity. Anybody thankful today that you've been resourced for war? Now... All right, some people understand what that is. We'll get there eventually, and we'll do the battle cry together. But right now... The, the, the Bible is teaching us in sequential order. Before you ask somebody for, for war, you have to teach them how to walk. And before you teach someone how to walk, you have to show them how to stand. 
Paul out the gate is showing us before we walk and before we war, let's just make sure we have standing power. Let's make sure we know how to stand. Watch what Paul says from the beginning. He's writing to this church and he's saying, guys, you don't understand. Now, I know the Bible in New King James Version. We just read in, in, in the message translation. In the New King James Version, he says, in him we have redemption, through him the forgiveness of our sins. He, he's writing that God has been planning to do this through his son for a long time. In fact, write down the first point for today, that God has been planning to lavish you forever. This is not a new idea. Our God is not a firefighter trying to put out crises. Our God is not trying to, to, to see what you and I need this week. No, God has been strategically scheming and strategizing from the foundations of the earth. I know how I'm going to get you out of your mess. I know how I'm going to get you out of addiction. I know how I'm going to give you. Watch all the themes of chapter 1. It's adoption. It's acceptance. It's forgiveness. It's being approved by the Father. All of this is in Christ. Paul starts out and said, God has been planning and strategizing he has been finding a way to lavish his great gifts on you what are the gifts the gifts of forgiveness the gifts of freedom it is not the will of God that you and I be bound to sin be bound to sorrow be bound to defeat but it's the will of God for you and I to know what it means to be free and know what it means to be forgiven anybody thankful today that God wants to lavish his freedom and lavish his forgiveness and lavish his purpose in your life we, we, Joy and I were out this last week in Malibu, yeah, and we, 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 we ran into, we ran into a couple that had just, you know, because they were maybe just tired and got to get away, and, and, and we ran into them out there, and they, they were just staying in the hotel, and, and, and I understand that, you know, in our life, we, we've got a problem solve, and we've got to fix stuff, and, and we've got something arises, and let's, let's handle it. God is not that way. God has been planning and strategizing how he can lavish his grace on your life. How can he get Jesus into your world? This has, been his, this has been his heart's desire. This has been the thing he's been scheming in your world. I want to lavish you. I want to spoil you. I want to take care of you. I want you to be over. I want you to stand here going like, how did I get all this? I don't deserve all this. All of this freedom and all of this forgiveness and all of this purpose and all of the, this, this is undeserved blessing. This is unmerited favor. This is the heart of God. This was not Jesus' idea. This is the Father's idea. This is, Paul's writing, he's saying, you need to know this, that in Christ you've got it all. Anybody thankful today that Jesus paid the price to fulfill the plan of the Father so that you and I could be forgiven and be free and have purpose? Come on, I think we can be a little bit louder than that if you're grateful today that the plan was executed in the obedience of the Son. He's writing it, he's saying, this is, this is God's, you've been predestined. God planned this. This is God's idea to lavish you with such phenomenal gifts like the gift of freedom. What are you going to do with freedom? Well, I would suggest that you be free. What are you going to do with forgiveness? Well, I suggest that you walk knowing that even though your sins may be as crimson in the blood of Jesus, you're white as snow. I am not walking around trying to prove how I need forgiveness. I'm walking around as someone that is forgiven. In fact, Paul continues on the thought and write down number two today. It's the second thought he gives in the letter. He says, in fact, I know who I am and I know what I'm living for. 
Oh, it, the way that Paul says it is this way. He says, in Christ, we discover who we are and what we're living for. But I want you to write it down as a declaration this week. I want you to walk around, maybe in your office, maybe around your home, and I want you to make this declaration. I know who I am, and I know what I'm living for. I know who I am. Who am I? I am called. I am loved. I am graced. I am favored. I am forgiven. I am free. I know who I am. I, we, by the way, when you know who you are, you know what you're not. I am not condemned. I am not full of shame. I am not full of doubt. I am not a fear monger. No, I walk as graced. I, walk, I know who I am and I know what I'm living for. And, and in other words, when I know what I'm living for, I know what I'm not living for. I'm not living for this and that and the other. I'm not living for accolades or fame. I'm not living for my bank account. I'm not a slave to the spirit of this world. I know who I am and I know what I'm living for. When you start to accept Jesus, Paul's writing, when you get a revelation of Jesus in your life, you all just all of a sudden say, I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. Anybody thankful today that identity and purpose are found in Jesus? Oh, I'm thankful today. As soon as I get Jesus in my world, I know this is who I am and this is what I'm living for. We were at the Laker game and talking to a guy in the back and and he was asking me some questions, you know, about our journey. And he came to church one time, and, and he was asking, you know, just a few th things about our story. And, and, um, and he said, well, wh wh when was it for you? You know, when did you know? When did you know? And, um, and I was like, uh, no, like, no what? Like, what do you mean? He's like, well, when did you know, you know? When did you know? <laughs> and I think I understood what he was saying. What he's saying is, when did I know that I... This is who I am, and this is what I'm living for. For me, I was 16, and I had a sense. I think I am called. I think there was not a position or, or a platform or something that I could even conjure in my mind as far as imagination as much as just I'm free. I'm, I'm, I'm graced. I'm forgiven. I'm at, I'm at ease. I'm at rest. I know who I am. It starts with identity. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. I'm living for the glory of Jesus. I'm living to make him famous, not me famous. I'm living for a greater purpose in my world. And he says, in Christ, in Jesus, I know who I am and what I'm living for. I pray for Zoe Church. We would know who we are, and we would know what we're living for. I'm believing that for our children. I'm believing that for our businesses. I'm believing that for our homes. Come on, anybody believe in that together as a community? We know who we are. We're not pulled every which way. We know who we are and what we're living for. He just keeps on going down the road, and he's, he's saying, you know, it's in Christ. It's in Jesus. God had been planning to give you Jesus, all of your freedom, all of your forgiveness. In him we have redemption. In him we have forgiveness of sins. In him we have purpose. In fact, I, we, I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. And then he transitions thought, and he begins to say a prayer over the church. He says this prayer, and he's going to start with Thanksgiving, and then he's going to go to, well, if you grew up in the church in the 90s, this is where one of the most famous worship songs has come from. This is my, at my father's church growing up, we would sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, every Sunday. Like, if you grew up suffering through church, you know this song. And, and, and this is where we find these scriptures. Paul is going to, uh, just, I'll say it the way that I know it. He's going to say in this prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. NIV says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, that you would in your heart, listen, there's a difference between your physical eyes and your spiritual eyes. 
saying, I'm praying that your spirit man, your inner man, can actually see some things. Again, the message, the, the translation that I know says that you would know the hope uh, of your calling and the inheritance of the saints. What in the world does that mean? Then this message translation is going to teach us a little bit more about what this prayer exactly is. I want you to write it down this way. This is a powerful prayer to receive. This is a powerful prayer to receive. I think that in your world, there's more people praying for you than you realize. There's more people that are going to God on your behalf than you could even count or imagine. There's more people that are just thinking about you and praying for you. And I believe that prayers are not just to be said. Prayers are to be received. When someone prays that God will provide, you ought to receive that prayer. When someone prays that God will heal you, I receive that prayer. When someone prays that you're going to get promoted and going to get favor, receive that prayer. This is right now a powerful prayer to receive. He writes down, he goes, guys, I, um, every time I pray, I can't help myself. I just end up thanking God for you. You guys are the best, huh? Every time I pray, I just start thanking God. Oh, I've, I want to live that kind of a life, that when people pray, they thank God for me. That when people pray, they go, thank God, I, I find strength and encouragement. I find that they're a, 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 an outlet that I can go to. I, the, he's saying, you know what, guys? He's writing from prison. He goes, man, every time I think of that church, I don't think of wounds. I don't think of bitterness. I don't think of being ostracized. I don't think of harshness. I don't think of judgment. That's what most of the world thinks of when they think of church, by the way. But when they think of this church, they think of, wow, there's joy there. There's life there. There's community there. Come on, anybody want to be that kind of church? and that kind of community that when people think of us, they thank God for us. I wonder if there's some homeless people out in our city today that are going, thank God for that church that made me a sandwich yesterday. I wonder if there's some people that have good laundry that are saying, man, thank God for that church that did my laundry yesterday. Thank God for those people. He says, the first thing I do is every time I pray, I thank God for you guys. You guys have been so amazing. You've been so great. You've been so good to me. What a church. And I'm praying, I'm believing, again, other translations say that the eyes of your heart would be open, that you would understand the hope of your calling and the inheritance of the saints. This is how the message translation says. He says, number one, I pray that you would, you would understand your calling. Which is just a really big idea if you ask me. Understanding our calling, what you are called to do, who you are called to be. Now, most of us think when we think calling, we think, oh, what am I called to do? Like, God, I want to know my call. <sighs> so weird, right? But that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about the calling of a believer, the calling of a Christian, called to be kind, called to be in community, called to love those that are outcasts. He's saying, I pray that you would, you would know your calling. It starts before you get your personal calling. You should understand our general calling. You should understand what we're called to be as a church, what we're called to be as believers in Jesus. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We are called to be the light of the world. We are called to shine bright in dark spaces. We are called to love those that don't believe that the love of God is for them. I want to first understand my calling in life. Anybody else? What this guy was saying to me at the Laker game is, when did you understand your calling? And I think I felt my calling to live for something greater at 16. And I never looked back because I understood. The eyes of my heart were open to understand the calling. The third part of the prayer is that he prays. He said, I thank God for you. I pray you'd understand your calling and that you would, third, here's the third thing he prays, that you would grasp a glorious life. This is fantastic. 
you would, you would grasp what it means to have a glorious life, glorious living. Now, in the message translation, we read it together, he uses a phrase like this. He says, the glorious life, when you live gloriously, you have endless energy and you have boundless strength. And I look at that and I'm like, I want to take a nap every day. How do I get endless energy? <laughs> I drink four coffees a day. So endless energy sounds awesome. Boundless strength? Okay, yeah, so tie me up. Endless energy and boundless strength. Again, Paul's not referring to the exterior, but he's talking about our interior. He's talking about our inner man. When you get your inner man built up, when you get strong on the inside, you living a glorious life has nothing to do with how much money you have, how many houses you own, what's going on in the outside world, all of your accolades of success. You living a glorious life is the eternal reality of Jesus in your inside. That you are actually get strong. I know people that are actually sick in bed right now, but they're strong with endless energy and boundless strength. I know people facing hell on earth, but they actually are in church worshiping God, lifting up their hands. Why? Because they got endless energy and boundless strength. Paul is talking about living a glorious life, which is nothing about the outside, but everything about the inside. Now, please hear me. I believe working out and doing all of those things and being healthy are awesome, and I, I, I want to be uh, physically fit as well. But I also want to place major emphasis on my inner man so that when I go through things like we've gone through as a couple with our daughter Georgia, I still have endless energy and I still have boundless strength. I'm not getting weary. I'm not getting tired. I'm not getting defeated. Come on, am I preaching to anybody that has gone through some things, but you actually got stronger, and you actually had faith through it, and you actually had energy. Come on, somebody thank God today if you believe that you can actually know the hope of your calling and live a glorious life. How could you live a glorious life and yet your circumstances don't say glorious? Paul's introducing us to this life, isn't he? He's saying, guys, it's not exterior, it's interior. We're living from the inside out. That our inside world, our inner man is actually knowing our calling and living the glorious life. I don't know about you, but I crave this for myself. I crave this for my wife. I crave this for my children. I do not want to live a life where we have to go from vacation to vacation or paycheck to paycheck. I want to go from strength to strength and glory to glory and grace to grace. I want to live the glorious life. Anybody else? I don't know what my bank account might look like, but I know what my inner man will look like. It will look like praising God and receiving peace and rest. Amen. Love this so much because it's a reality that Paul's introducing the church to, isn't he? Saying, guys, I, I can't stop thanking God for you. You guys are unbelievable. I'm just praying that you would understand your call and grasp what a glorious life looks like. Then he ends chapter one and you can review this on your own. And, and he, he ends the whole first chapter on pointing the church to Jesus. He goes, it's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is, you can write this down, the last point. He's over everything and everyone and over everywhere, especially the church. He, 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 he lists all these things that Jesus is in charge of and he works backwards to come forward. He says Jesus is he's over galaxies and he's over governments. Let's just pause there. He's got the whole world in his hand, doesn't he? Let's just pause there for a moment. I'm thankful today that no matter what our political landscape may look like, Jesus is seated on the throne. It's not a human that's in charge. It's a God that's in charge. 
And I am thankful today, and worship team, you can come join me. Paul is writing great comforting words so that you and I don't go from four-year party to four-year party. We can live a life of rest and peace, of saying God is in control. God is seated on the throne. God is at the right hand of the Father. It is Jesus that rules. He has the name that is above all names. All dominions, all authorities must yield to this greater authority. His name is Jesus. He says he's over everything and everyone, everywhere, and also, in addition, we love Jesus because he's over, he's over the church. He's over the church. He's in charge of his church. We're going to read and continue as we go through the next five weeks, but this is where it gets good because Jesus is about, Paul's about to transition to talk about the church. In, in, the, in the end, we're going to get to the maturation of not just a glorious life, which we've started, but we'll get to what a glorious church looks like. Paul's baiting this church. He's saying, guys, it, it, this is who you are. We know what we're living for. We can stand in his grace. We can stand in his might. I'm, I'm, I'm praying you understand this glorious life. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart be open. But just so that you know, this whole thing is Jesus is building his church. He's not just the head of government. He's not just the head of galaxy. He is, he is over, the, he's over the church, which is his body. And Paul suggests that the way that God's going to move, you saw on the map this, you know, Bulgaria and, and Greece and Istanbul. Paul suggests that the way that they would infiltrate out through that area was that his body would go out and he would fill every place with the church, his body. As if to say, guys, the way that Jesus shows up in our world is that the church, you and I, we go out into every single sphere of influence. So it's actually the church is represented in education. The church is represented in entertainment. The church is represented in politics. That his body, he fills the world with his presence through the body. Now, I'm believing that Zoe Church, we actually see that when you and I, we go to the park, it's now the church is at the park, and we're representing Jesus at the park. I'm believing that when we step into coffee shops, we say, man, the church was represented at the coffee shop because the church is not a building, and it's not a service. The church is now a people. Saying so this is how Christ will fill every space. He will fill the space through his body. He's the head of this thing. He's the, he's the point of this thing. He is the, he's the supremacy of this thing. I'm thankful today that as we study the book of Ephesians, we're going to get to war eventually, and we're going to get to chapter 6. And I love chapter 6 because it's the armor of God, and you know we're going to put on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, and the gospel of peace. And oh, I can't wait to get to chapter 6, and I can't wait for chapter 2 next week. Chapter 2, verse number 8, it's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. It, it, the Bible teaches us that it is by grace alone, through, through faith, that we are saved. This is not of our own. It's the gift of God. Oh, I can't wait to journey through chapter 3 and chapter 5. You know, the Bible actually teaches us that husbands, we submit to the wives and wives submit to the husbands just as Christ submitted to the church. I can't wait for the whole thing, but let's get one thing clear as we start in chapter 1. We're standing in power and position in Jesus so that we can be the church that we are called to be. I want you to stand to your feet today. Y'all know what your standing power feels like today. Maybe you're standing weak. Maybe you're standing, but you're barely standing. I want to pray right now and believe that God will give you some standing power. That you can stand in the storm. 
that you can stand in the midst of what you're facing. That you can stand even as your outer body might be hurting, your inner man's getting stronger today. Come on, anybody get encouraged by the Word of God today and by what God's saying to your life. Come on, anybody discovering who we are and what we're living for. In the name of Thanks Jesus. for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.